Father, we thank you because you restored our soul. And you bless us this morning with a mind to come into the house of God and to praise you, to honor you, to be a worthy of praise. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. Bless your word this morning. Speak to your people, the hearts are prepared. And we're ready, Lord, to hear from you. By your spirit, rest upon us. Move in this place. Let your will be done in us and through Pastor. We thank you, we thank you, we give you praise. Thank God. Amen. You may be seated. This afternoon, the race for the heavenly prize. The race for the heavenly prize. We'll be looking at a few verses of scripture. Paul has written a number of books. Don't eat meat 
offered idol just even a thing to get drunk. You don't do things because you think it's okay. You have your conscience is clear, and that's good. But don't take advantage of that because there's isn't. You let God deal with them. You let God help them to grow. And part of your responsibility is to nurture your brethren. Is to help your brothers that are younger. Yeah, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about in the faith. Some people in the faith are older than others, and they understand things better. So he deals with that in chapter eight, chapter nine, the beginning of this chapter. We're only going to look at the last three or four verses of this chapter. But in this chapter, he's actually defending himself. He's defending uh, uh, the liberty that he has because there is accusation that he was taking the money that had been coming into the ministry and used them for himself. And so he has to explain to them, well, anybody that works, if you're a farmer and you have a harvest, you don't take the harvest and don't eat. You have to eat too. And so he's saying support of the, the ministry is, is, is okay. It's, it's, it's good. I have the, he's saying I have the liberty to do that. But then he tells them, but I didn't do that. I lived by working. I didn't live off the ministry. So he has to explain to them, what did Paul do? Paul was a footman. And so we're going to be looking at some metaphors regarding sports, especially and particularly racing. Remember the Olympic Games. You know, I like the Olympics because I like track and field. I love to see people race. I love the uh, Hussein Bolt. I love that. Him flying down, that man was un- he's unbelievable. Like an animal, like an antelope. But he uses this metaphor because the Christian life is not easy. The Christian life requires it, it requires attention to detail, and we're going to see some of those details. But the, during the Olympic Games, during the races, they didn't have hotels. You go around the world and go to the Olympic Games, you're going to stay in some hotel, you're going to stay in a bed and you're going to stay somewhere. They didn't have those in, in, in the East Village. They had to bring their own tent. And your tent sometimes would break down, and sometimes they would fall apart. Guess what Paul's job was? He was a tent maker. So he had plenty to do. There was probably thousands of people as, uh, hanging around for the Games. The Games happened every four years, and the, and the players had to... They had to uh, practice and get in shape. It took them nine months to get in shape. So they were preparing them. We're going to be looking at how the preparation of the athlete for that run coincides with the race that we're in as Christians. Amen? So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, we're going to be just looking at the first a few uh, verses, the last four verses. Uh, so what Paul has done, he has, he has let them know I could have used money from the ministry, but I didn't. And he explains why. He says, instead, he describes himself not as somebody who is after the money, but he says, I am a servant. I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all. So, so, what we get, so when we get to these verses in chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, we'll be looking at the first part of what I want to talk about is goals and focus in competitive sports. So we're going to be looking at how sports, uh, those that are in sports, whether it be track and field, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, any of these guys, these guys that are making all this money, to get to the place where they're in the in the spotlight like that, takes training. And it takes them, they have to follow rules. Let's read the first, those, uh, those last four verses in chapter 9, verse 24 
do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? I'm an example by this. All the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize. Run your race in such a way that you may receive the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training and competes in the game is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that wins, but we do it to achieve an imperishable crown that cannot win. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. Do not flail around like one beating the air, just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after teaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Amen. Bless his holy word. So, <clears throat> in those verses, we saw a number of things. And remember, in any sport, there are rules, and you have to stay within the rules. Otherwise, what? You get disqualified. And so I want to give you some rules. And these rules are going to be focused mostly on running. And in particular, running a relay race. I like the relay. Because you have four running in one race, and each one has to run the race. Each one has to run the race, right? So I want to look at some, some of the rules that I thought were important. Run your leg. If you have four people, each one has to what? Run their leg. Run your leg, your race. Secondly, you run in, now this is more akin to what we're talking about as Christians. We run in humility and in wisdom. Because this race that we're talking about is, that we're running, now relay race is a sprint race. But the race that we run is not. We run an endurance race, not a sprint. The third thing is, finish the race. You can't run a relay race and then get halfway and then you run off the, off the track. You can't do that because you got to hand off what? The baton. Finish the race. Don't stop. Don't give up. And don't give in. Fourthly, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. When you do what God calls you to do, Stay in your lane. And what we're going to see is that means, in this case, you preach Christ. You don't preach philosophy. You don't preach your opinion. You don't preach what everybody else is saying. Just preach what you heard. You preach Christ. Amen? So, when we look at those verses that we just read, we notice that the goal, he said in verse, 30, verse 24, there is a goal. And the goal is what? To win. Nobody's out there trying to run a race and don't think they can win. Everybody's out there thinking, this could be my day. I'm out here to win. Secondly, in verse 24, again, you run your race. You can't run my race. And I cannot run your race. Why am I saying that? I cannot say, I'm running my race. Why? But my uncle was a preacher. I know the bishop. That's not your race. Your race is your race. You have to do what your Christianity is in your life. God has given you a leg to run. He has given you a path to walk on. Your race is only yours. No one else's. Your relationship with God is solely yours. You 
can't live off my scruples and I can't live off yours. It's a one-on-one. And in verse 25, we, we read where what, what winning requires. What does it take to win a race? Paul gives two, and I'm going to give you a little bit more. He says discipline and self-control. And I'll add to that sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. These boys, when they get ready to go out and field, they have worked and worked and worked. This is no joke. When you got to get out on that football field, you have exercised hours and hours and hours and trained, and you have been given given strategy how to look at those. They look at film for hours to watch how how they how the other team functions, how to move, where to move, how many steps to take. And then he says, and this is what like what I like about Paul is he's letting them know in verse twenty-five that he's a team player. This is what he says. He says, we for an eternal reward. They have a reward that perishes. But he says, we for an eternal reward. Well, he didn't say I. It's not I for an eternal It's not you. It's we. He's the team player. And we say this all the time. We're in this together. And that verse, so verse 26 I run, he says, I do not run without a goal. I run, he said, I don't run without a purpose. There is a purpose to the reason of why we run this way. We're not running this way just to just get tired. We run this race for a purpose. Our purpose is to not only live this life, but to preach the good news. We are ambassadors for Christ. We have a responsibility to tell people about this God that we serve. So we're not running without purpose. We have purpose. In verse 27, he says, I don't want to be disqualified. He says, be careful. Why? Because souls are at stake. Lives are at stake. Be careful. <coughs> and just as we were talking about how uh, uh, we have to be uh, watchful of new Christians. This is what Paul talked about. This, these Christians that, had, that were seasoned were taking advantage of those that were new Christians. You don't do that. You don't do things in front of people just because you can. These are new Christians. You have to treat them like them. Paul tells them in chapter 3, he says, I can't talk to you as under carnal. I have to talk to you as under babes in Christ. I can't give you meat. I have to give you milk. But this is okay. They're, they're new. That's why they're called new. You don't take a baby who's one year old and yell at them because they can't talk. That's why they're called babies. Because they're not supposed to be able to talk yet. And the same thing with new Christians. You can't beat them over the head because they're new Christians and their dress is too short. Their, their, their neckline is too low. You can't do that to them. They got on earrings and lipstick and you think that's wrong. Let them alone. You let God deal with them. Remember what Paul talked about servants. I cannot do this to someone else's servant. We're not servants one for another. We are God's servants. I'm God's servant. I'm here. I've only been saved one year. You're going to beat me up because I uh, uh, I didn't come in with a suit jacket. No, you leave me alone and let God help me to grow. Once I keep, you let me alone and let me keep hearing the word. Let me come.
come in and see the tank rubbing the lawn. And just let me grow. And I'll do what's right, not because you said it. I'll do what's right because the Lord will put it in me. So this next part, so when we look at what we just we just looked at, so we're souls are at stake. So the title, the race for the heavenly prize. This is a holy race. It's not just a race for a prize. This is a race in holiness. It's a holy race. Because what? It's for the souls of men. Next part I want to look at is wisdom to go the distance. We're going to be Hebrews chapter 12, a couple of verses there, 1 and 2. It says, I therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because the joy awaiting him, he, because of the joy awaiting he endured the cross. Disregarding the shame, now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. You know what he just said? He said, the race that is set, what, before us. So he starts this chapter out. Therefore, he's talking about the witnesses in chapter 11, but we call them the heroes of faith. There are many witnesses to what? The faith that they live, the faith and how God honored their faith. We even look at Abraham. He says, the scripture tells us that Abraham did what? He believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Then you see others in the in scripture. You wonder, well, how did they get there? Rahab told a lie. And she's in there. And she was a prostitute. So, you, so what is God looking at? God is not looking at just the things we do. He's looking at our hearts. God is interested in the motivation of your heart. So, many witnesses. Verse 1 says that what? Sin needs to be dealt with as you run this race. you got to lay it aside. you got to take it off. You can't run this race connected with things of the world the way the world does things. You have habits. And you know you'll have some of those habits you do or not right. And you want to grow. We talk about get deeper and deeper and higher and higher in the Lord. But we don't want to let go of those old ways. You have to let them go. Because what? They hold you down. They slow you down. So you have to let them go. Sin must be relinquished. And then he tells them what? Same one. Verse 1. He says, because this is an endurance race. You can't keep running with weight on you if you got a long way to you got a long way to go. The thing about an endurance race, you have to pace yourself. You can't just run a you can't run a, 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 a marathon and start out running full speed. You're gonna fall down. <laughs> You're gonna pass out. So you have to pace yourself. It's an endurance race. And again. Your race. Your uncle, 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 pastor, deacon, bishop. You can't rely on that. You have to have your weight. You have to put on 
for you. God knows what training you need. Because your training and my training is going to be about being transparent. And you're different. Your race. And he says, your race is set before you. And in verse 2, very important, looking unto Jesus. This is the key right here, looking unto Jesus, who is what? The author and finisher. And this is important because when we get to the end, we'll see how important it is. He must be our sole focus. When you are running a race, you, you, you notice when you see sprinters, even we can talk about sprinters. You know, the long distance runners are one. But sprinters, you notice one thing about them. They run straight ahead. You don't see sprinters running in the same direction. And then looking to see where everybody else is. Why? You might lose the race, for one thing. Because that one you try to look back on might be right there. And then you turn around, you done slowed down, and they look right back. Left you up. So focus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your focus on Jesus. He says, for the joy that was what? Set before him. He, he endured the cross. So when Jesus was, was beaten and tortured to the point where he was, skin was, his bone was exposed in his back. And then they tell him, go and take your cross up on Calvary. And he was so weak that he fell to Thank God for Simeon who helped him up. But when Simeon helped him up, he looked at him and said, Yes, I'm not going to. I still got something to do. I still got something to do. I still got to die. I still got to die for the sins of the world. I can't stop here. This is not why I stopped. Many of us would have given up right there and said, Just drag me on the other side. No, he made sure that he got up on that hill. If he hadn't gone all the way, where would he be? I'd love what would we, Where would we be? If Christ be not risen, because he had to go up, because he had to die. He had to die so that he could go in that grave. He had to go in that grave so that he could raise from the dead. He said, for the joy George, you talk about right here, right here. I love y'all, but not like he loved you, because he got on the cross and showed his love. The Bible tells us that God manifested, he expressed his love for us, and that's what? While we were yet in our sin, he didn't wait for you to stop smoking and drinking and fornicating and, and stop doing the things you, you do. He didn't wait for you to do that, because if he would wait for that, he wouldn't even be you still waiting. In all our righteousness, what? We're filthy rags for the joy. So that, so, so he saw us as the joy. <coughs> we were the joy he saw. Now, as we run our race and we focus on Jesus, he's now ours. He's the one that we strive for. So we look to Jesus as we run this holy. Now, finally, uh, not finally, but uh, next, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Gosh, I'm right, 45 more minutes. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. This is a new race and a new purpose. In this chapter in Philippians, Paul has explained 
to the to the saints his history. He has explained where he came from, how he got to where he is now. But then after he has explained all this, he says in verse 12, and I'll read 12 through 14, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. So what does he say? Paul is contrasting. He has spoken in the first uh, 11 verses and he is showing them his Jewish history and his relationship to his Jewish history and and to Judaism his relationship to Judaism. Now he is contrasting that with a new relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So verse 12, he says, I'm not perfect, but I strive. I press to be the best I can in Jesus Christ. And in verse 13, he says, now I have a new purpose. Remember, Paul's purpose in the beginning, before Jesus Christ Blinded him on the road to Emmaus was to defend the faith, which was the, which was the law of Moses. He did everything. He was zealous, the scripture says, about defending the law and the ways of Moses. But he says, now I have new purpose and I have new focus. So he's saying, what the successes and the failures of my past. He says, forgetting those things that are behind, all my forgetting my pedigree. He says, I was not a proselytized Jew. I was a Benjamite. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Concerning the law, blameless. He goes through all of that. And then he says, well, I still haven't got to. With all that. He had attained things that people looking at him would say, I would give my give my eye tooth to get half of what he had. But he says that all that, I don't, I don't know. He says, but I strive. I press forward. That's which I've apprehended. I have a new purpose. I have a new focus. My successes and my failures by history are just that. So what he said, no longer am I worried about my history. Now I'm not focused on my history. I'm focused on my history that is No longer history that is And verse 14, he says, at, at the end of my race, I get the heavenly prize. At the end of my race. So he says, I focus. He says, looking unto Jesus. And then the end of that says, Jesus is calling us. Nereia heard the call of his voice. Christy heard Christy. And she said, who am I? What would you have me to do? We hear him. So we focus. 
just says, my sheep, and another shepherd, His voice calling me toward the end to that heavenly call at the finish of this holy land. Second Timothy chapter four, verses six to eight. So this is where Paul is approaching the finish line, and he says, "I am getting ready to go for celebration." Paul was in a dungeon, and he tells he, he tells Timothy. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering. He's thinking back of the, the law where the drink offering was the final offering of all the offerings. My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have been I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Amen. So verse 6, he says, I am approaching the finish line. See, every, uh, most of us here are going to live a few more years. So our finish line is not quite here. But Paul says, I am approaching the finish line. And even as I approach that finish line, even as my life is about to come to end, I have not surrendered. I have not given in. I have not given up. Even though I'm in this cold dungeon and I have no help coming to me, even though I know that this is going, they're going to take my head, it's not over. It's not over. Isn't, isn't that good thing to know? That in, in spite of how, good, how bad it was, he says, when, I, when you go through the fire, feels hot sometimes. But we read this morning where he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm approaching the finish line. He says, I fought the fight of faith. He said in the in the early verses we read, he says, I don't, but I'm not shadow boxing. So you see where he's talking about boxing is kind of kind of subtly using boxing as another uh, metaphor. And the reason that's important is because we have an enemy who doesn't fight fair. Because what? He's invisible. So he doesn't say, he doesn't touch you on the shoulder, I'm right in front of you. No, he comes up behind you and pops you in the back of your head. That's not right. That's like being blindfolded in a, in a fight. But Paul says, I'm not shadow boxing. I have purpose. I know where I know where I'm, and I know who my enemy is. The scripture tells us what? We are not ignorant of his devices. We know what, and remember this, there are certain things the devil does not do. We have to be aware of not, not just what he does, but what he doesn't do. His, de 
people that are supposed to lie about him. The devil did this and the devil did. He's like, yeah, okay, I think that's it. He didn't have nothing to do with it. We forget about this flesh. This flesh does what it wants to do. It does not need the devil. He says, I'm I'm approaching the finish line. I've fought that good fight. My race is complete, and I haven't forgotten. My faith is still in hand. Despite how it's going to turn out, how it looks, I still trust the Lord. That's faith. The Hebrew boys were in the fire. But what happened when they were in there? The Bible is right. He says, when you go through the fire, I'm with you. And they were in the fire, and the Nebuchadnezzar looked at this. Wait a minute, how many we throw in there? There's another one in there. How you get in there? And the thing about it, because that fourth one was in there, when they got ready, he, he realized they're not dying. And the ones that threw them in there did die. Because they fell. And then he realized, wait a minute. Oh, Hebrew boys, you all right in there? Come out. So I said, and he couldn't even get closer. He had to tell them to come out. Where'd that fourth one go? He says, there is, even beyond my beheading, there's a future. It's not over here. Nothing we, nothing we go through here means it's the end. The end is not here for us. For those that don't know the Lord, this might be the end. This might be the best. And this is what he said. He says, I have an award ceremony to attend after this. You know, you remember those days when you had award ceremonies at school? And you would get called, your name get called, you go up and you get He's in a dungeon, but he said, it's not over yet. <coughs> I have an award, to, uh, a ceremony to attend, to look forward to. He says, on that day, I will be presented from the Lord himself the crown of righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, this judge that, that is going to give me this reward, this is the difference. The one who is the judge, he says he's the righteous judge. And not only is he the righteous judge, guess what? He's already won the race. He's already won the race. He, he's won the race, and he won the race when he was on the cross. He finished this course on the cross. When he raised on the third day, that was the end of the race. And so what is my job now? My job now is to just run my race. To finish your race. You don't have to run the whole race. I wrap this up with uh, you remember, I don't know if you know this but this is where Paul is uh, in, he said we're about to enjoy your crown he talks about the crown of righteousness and so enjoy the crown that you're going to get at your award ceremony for a moment you're going to enjoy it for a moment okay, you know, it reminded me of a, at a 2018 MTV movie and TV awards I do not watch 
at a 2018 MTV Movie and TV Awards, Chadwick Boseman, you know Chadwick Boseman, he's the one that died of cancer, I believe. Uh, he was the one in uh, Black Panther. So he won two awards that year, one for best performance in a movie, and one for best hero. And the one for best hero, is the reason I bring it up. Uh, as he was given that award, having been given the award, it says Chad, Chadwick ushered a man named James Shaw onto the stage. And, he, and James, he, 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 he let the, the crowd know, this man had fought off a gunman in the middle of a deadly shooting in Tennessee back in April of that same year. And Chadwick tells the audience, he says, he saved lives. Black Panther was only a movie. But this man really did something. He saved lives. And he gave that man his award. And then at the end he says, Wakanda forever. So enjoy your crown for a moment. Mr. Chadwick received that crown. That crown. He received that award. He said, he gave it away. I say that because in Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, we see where we who, or, or actually this is the 24 elders, it says in verse 10, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their Understand? Yes, Wakanda was a fictional place in a, in a fictional story, and I love fiction. But I want to tell you something: heaven is real. Heaven ain't about a movie. Heaven is real. That's our soon-to-be home. And as I wrap this up, so you run your race. Remember the rules. your legs all the way. You run it for the team. The team is all those that need to be safe. We're running a race because there's others along the way that need to know Jesus. And again, we run in humility. And with all, he says, I'm a servant for you. And wisdom. We run in wisdom. Reminding ourselves that we're running a long distance race. Run in wisdom. Run towards the voice. That is calling you by name. Run toward the voice. Keep your eye on the prize. Finish your legs. Finish the race. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because when you persevere, you will receive your crown. Run the race. You just run your legs. Run your legs. And don't worry about giving away your crown. Keep that faith. Leave that in. Leave it to you. Remember your name. Don't let it Stop running your race. Keep it up. Give me a song.
The road. 